0: Father, thank you so much that we've heard stories today of how you are still loving and caring and transforming people's lives through the good news about Jesus Christ. And as you attach our lives to him, Lord, there's great hope and joy and forgiveness and freedom. And Father, we thank you that you've spoken to us clearly through Christ and through your word. And so would you now just teach every one of us that we may know you better and follow Christ. We ask this in his precious name. Amen. Well, here's a question for you this morning. Have you got charisma? Have you got charisma? Do you know people who've got it? Well, what is is charisma? I suppose you want to know what's the definition. Well, according to the Oxford Dictionary, here's a definition of charisma. Charisma. Someone with compelling attractiveness or charm that can, make, that can inspire devotion in others. Well, if that's your definition of charisma, have you got that? Well, how would you know? Well, thankfully, the, the good folk of the University of Toronto have come up with a test. It was published in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology, and it's a charisma test. And uh, you can take down your pen and now and grade yourself between 0 and 5 as to the accuracy of these statements. How much do you think these are true of you? Uh, I am someone who has presence in a room. I have ability to influence people. I know how to lead a group. I can make people feel comfortable. I smile at people often. And I can get along with anyone. So you um, give yourself a score. Divide it by six. If your your average charisma score is over 3.7, you are above average, my friends. You may have that magical property called charisma. Now, to save you all the bother of that, I want you to open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 4. And page 1220. Because there we're going to see what God has to say about charisma. And actually I have to say it's a different definition of charisma. And it may be a bit more within our reach perhaps as well. Page 1220. Over these last four weeks we've been uh, reading and studying uh, this, these few verses from 1 Peter chapter 4 and 7 to 11. I'm going to read the section and then we're going to learn really what God has to say about charisma, who has it, and what it's for, okay? So let me read this section to you. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind, so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. What's that I hear you say? Where was charisma? Well, it was there in verse 10. In The New Testament is written in Greek, and the Greek word that we have translated gift is the word charisma, the word gift. And so um, let's ask the question, who has got charisma? Well, look at verse 10. Each of you, it says who's the you? Well, how do you know? Well, you just spend a little bit of time reading the whole letter. And actually, if you look back at the very first verse of the book, you can see that it's a letter written by the Apostle Peter, one of the eyewitnesses of Jesus. And he is writing to uh, Christians who he describes as as exiles, people who are scattered in in different churches in an area that we know today as modern-day Turkey. And uh, it Since they've become Christians, they've experienced opposition and suffering. It's been tough. And he's writing to encourage these Christians as they've been experiencing this suffering for being Christians. So the you, he describes in 1 verse 1 as Christians. Uh, He describes the very same people in chapter 1 verse 23 as people who've been born again. They heard the good news about Jesus preached to them. They responded to to what Jesus has done for them and they've become born again people, like brand new people. In chapter 2, verse 10, it says that they could be described as people who've received God's mercy. We all need God's mercy. We've all fallen far short of his standards and, and we've rebelled against him. But Christians are those who've, who've turned to Jesus and received his forgiveness and, and have experienced the mercy of God And have become one of the people of God. So that's the you. The you equals a Christian. And so my Christian friends, if you're here today as a Christian, you have charisma. That's what verse 10 of chapter 4 tells you. Each of you, it says. Every person has God-given abilities and, and talents, of course, just by creation. Everybody in this room, whether you're Christian or not, have uh, abilities and talents which, of course, were given to you by God who created you. We're, we're not here by some cosmic accident in a, in a meaningless universe. There is a loving and purposeful creator who created you and created you uniquely and you've got your own sort of unique talents, abilities, personality uh, passions and interests of course we still need to develop those talents uh, that God gives us we still have choices what we do with those abilities we can hone them and improve them but we all have that by creation but what is being spoken of in in chapter 4 verse 10 is is as a feature of their new creation uh, of becoming Christians they also now have additional gifts Of course, all our old abilities and talents can be used by God. They can be sanctified by God and used in his service. But on top of that, the Bible talks about these grace gifts that we receive. And there's a number of places in the New Testament which describe these different types of gifts. We don't have time to look into them all today. But if you compare all the lists, you'll see that um, none of them have exactly the same lists. Uh, And so what we concur from that is actually there's a whole range of spiritual gifts that you could have. They're not exclusively listed anywhere. One of the joys of discipling a new Christians is seeing them develop their gifts, seeing these gifts arise out of them. Uh, a few years ago, I used to run Meaty breakfasts in my house with some teenagers, and it was quite remarkable just to see uh, these uh, young men do uh, dig into God's word and develop as disciples and see them going on and using their gifts and abilities, all of them. But uh, one of the remarkable ones, no doubt, was seeing Ewan Goodall. I never imagined it. As Ewan sat in my front room, I think at that stage probably not even a Christian and uh, looking a little bit disinterested and sleepy, as most of them did in fact, I did not imagine that he would have the grace gift of preaching. But that is what's developed in him and is developing in him. And it is true of every single one of us here today. If you're a Christian, uh, you have been given not your, by natural abilities and talents. You have been given by your new birth gifts. You've got charisma. Now what's the function of these gifts, of this charisma? And, and I want you to secondly think about this. to to remember that we are stewards and not stars. Um, This is brought out in a few ways. If you look at verse 10, each of you should use whatever gift, well, gift implies that it was given to you, yes? Whatever gift you have received, and look on at the description that you are to be faithful stewards of God's grace. You see, if you've got... um, any natural talents and abilities, guess what? That, that's what God put into you when he made you. And if you've got any spiritual gifts that are useful, guess what? That is something that God has given to you. And do you see that this is um, something that God has given to us with a purpose? It's quite clear, verse 10, isn't it? Each of you should use whatever gift, whatever charisma you've received to serve others. This is the point of gifts. Um, it's the exact opposite to the dictionary definition. Uh, charisma is uh, and gifts are not to be uh, m- tools that we use so that others will be devoted to serving us. Exactly the opposite. God gives us these very gifts so that we can be other person centered and we can think about how can we serve others with our gifts. I think it's very tempting to despise the gifts that you've received and you think well anybody can do what I do they're not special and you spend a lot of time wishing you had other people's gifts uh, being envious of other people's gifts and of course that's really silly because God has given you your gifts and you shouldn't despise the gifts that he's given you they're not small things and you should get on busily serving with them. You are, in fact, a steward of these gifts, as it says in verse 10. Well, what's a steward? He doesn't own the stuff, but he's been entrusted with the stuff. I'm reading through the book of Genesis at the moment, and hearing about Joseph, who wasn't much loved by his brothers, sold into slavery. And he is taken on as a slave in the household of Potiphar. And he's so gifted and able that he is made a steward of all the household. He's entrusted with all the household and all the to, to, to take charge of everything on behalf of his master. They're not his to take. And so, when Potiphar's wife finds him quite attractive and tries to make some moves on him, he says, No, I can't because I'm, I'm a steward, I'm, I'm faithful, everything's been entrusted to me but I I can't do this. I would not be faithful to to behave in that way. We're stewards. We're we're given gifts to steward them. They're grace gifts. God has graciously given them to us, and we are to use them to to be busy about his work, to be busy about what he is about. Now, before you think about serving others, you need to understand that actually you have to be served first by Jesus before we become those who serve others we we need to be those who first have been served by Jesus but when you read through the Gospel of Mark and you'll see quite clearly that Jesus knew that as he was heading to Jerusalem he was going to be um, handed over to the authorities he was going to suffer and that he was going to be crucified, and then he would rise. And he's heading to Jerusalem, knowing that this is what's going to happen. And he says this to his disciples. Uh, He's quite clearly the the God's appointed king. He's got the authority of a king. He's demonstrated that over and over. And yet he says this to his disciples. Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. On the night before he was crucified, Jesus took a basin and a towel and he went, knelt down and he washed his disciples' feet. Here is God's appointed king and he's serving by washing the smelly feet of his disciples. He's modeling what service is but he's also picturing what would happen the next day in his death upon the cross. Because of our rebellion against God, we we are dirty. We, We are separated from God. And we need to be washed. We need to be ransomed. We need to be forgiven and cleansed. And we can't do anything for God or serve him until we are first served by Jesus and experience his saving work in our lives. But once we've experienced that, then to follow this Jesus, the servant king, means that we will have this mindset that we are servants. We live to serve others in the name of Jesus. We're not the stars. We're merely stewards of the gifts that he has given to us. Now there's just an amazing number of stewards in this church, stewards of, of God's grace at Sharp Chapel. Sunday by Sunday it takes between sixty to eighty people to make even our Sunday services run and, and run the, the youth ministry and the crash and the welcome and the coffee and the tea and the PowerPoint and the music and and and, and 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 a lot of those things are structural just so that we can have an environment where we get on in pursuing our vision to see lives transformed through Jesus to the glory of God. We don't put on meetings just for the sheer fun of meetings. Our purpose is not to have meetings until Jesus comes back. Uh, Our purpose is to see lives transformed through Jesus to the glory of God. Uh, We are on mission as a family to make disciples of all nations. We want to see people who become more and more like Jesus uh, as they love God and love people, as they grow in prayer and obedience to God's word, as they serve Christ with uh, their gifts in the church and in the world. And as they go to make disciples who love, grow, and serve, and go. And that's the joy, isn't it, of gathering today. We've had these little reminders that this is what God is doing in our church. As we've heard uh, four of the five people sharing their stories today. And I had the privilege to listen to Sheila's story as, as she was talking about getting baptized. And it's been amazing to hear God's work of grace in her life. It just petrifies her the thought of standing up here. And I understand that entirely. But she's got a great story too of God's grace in her life. This is what God is doing. And he's doing it because we are a, a, a family of disciples who are committed to serving Christ together on his mission My Christian friends, you have charisma. I hope you know this. God-given abilities. Are you a faithful steward of those gifts? Or are we in danger of acting as if church is all about meeting my needs? That I am the star when I turn up and others must get everything ready for me and serve me. You know, this church is not a cruise ship, but a battleship. Uh, A cruise ship is where you think, well, I I get to go along and people kind of pamper me and take care of me. Uh, If you try that on a battleship, my friends, you'll have a very interesting experience. Uh, We're in service to King Jesus. We've got a clear mission. And it's all hands on deck. The front of the bulletin says six weeks to go because on March the 3rd, we're going to be having a 9 o'clock and an 11 o'clock. And the the bulletin also contains opportunities where uh, we still need people to step up to help serve on Sunday teams. If you're enjoying coming and you're able-bodied and you could help and you're not currently helping, would you consider filling one of those slots? If you're here and you're not a Christian, I want you to first be served by Jesus. And get saved. If you are a Christian, there's stuff to do. It's a battleship. Just get involved. Speak to someone at the Connect Corner. They'll get you know, let you know how you can get involved. And you say to me, "Well, I'm not sure of my gifts." Guess how you discover your gifts. You discover your gifts by serving. That's the best way of finding out. You don't do navel gazing introspection and wonder at yourself, you just get stuck in, get serving, and ask people to give you honest feedback about what you're good at and what you're not so good at, and then you can try If you're not so good at it, well, just try something else. There's lots of different ways that we can get stuck in here at Charlotte Chapel. Remember how this section begins in verse seven, the end of all things is near. The clock is ticking to the return of Christ and the end of all things. We don't want to live purposeless lives. We want to be busy. The king is returning. Do you remember that parable that Jesus told of the king handing out his talents and going off to a far country and one day he's going to come back and say, what did you do with the talents that I entrusted to you? My friends, let's not be ashamed on that day but be busy about his service and looking for his return. Amen. We're going to sing a great.